Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. I'm Samantha DeGrandi, Assistant Editor for the American Journal of Managed Care. Today we're speaking with Tom Milam, founder and president of True Life Care. As a former chief operating officer for a national diabetes supply, education, and support company, Milam created programs for people with diabetes that served more than 100,000 members nationwide. His experience also includes a federal appointment providing advisory service to Medicare. His extensive experience and knowledge within the diabetes space allows Tom to offer us an expert view of CMS's competitive bidding program. Welcome to Managed Carecast, Mr. Milam. To begin, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do and why CMS's competitive bidding program has garnered so much of your attention? Well, yes, Samantha, I will. The, going back to the uh, beginning, became interested in diabetes because of what happened to a dear, very dear older friend and happened to be doing some business advisory turnaround work. I'm an old financial executive, actually, for a group that had put money in a uh, diabetes distribution business serving primarily Medicare beneficiaries and um, became interested in why, why diabetes goes the way it does and what happens. So I wound up working with that group for several years. Uh, and as, as that went along from 2003 to 2007, the competitive bidding program was announced, uh, applied to, and, and was uh, uh, selected by CMS to be a member of the program advisory oversight committee uh, for this program, which was really advisory. We met a few times twice a year with CMS, uh, communicated about it, had concerns at that time, uh, came to know Nancy Johnson. Uh, the Congresswoman had just retired after 24 years in Congress. She chaired the Ways and Means Health Subcommittee. Uh, she was co-author of the legislation that granted CMS the authority to, to put this program in place, shared with her some of the concerns. Uh, she grasped the concerns, uh, was totally opposed to uh, revoking that authority, but was interested in making sure it was done right. She believes in competition. And so that became a now almost 10-year relationship with Congresswoman Johnson uh, as we have talked with a variety of agencies and and CMS especially with what we saw happening and, and would happen in this program and in fact has turned out to have actually happened which is uh, it's disrupted access, disruptive patterns of care, and, uh, and led to worse health outcomes. Can you briefly explain what the competitive bidding program is, when it got started, and what some of the problems are with the program? Sure. It was, it was started, it was started for, um, in 2009 and immediately repealed. It was authorized in the 2003 Medicare Modernization Act. Uh, and uh, Congress actually stopped it a few weeks into it because there were so many irregularities, uh, not just with diabetes, but with other categories. And uh, so Congress was concerned to the point where they voided the contracts and said, CMS, go back and fix certain things uh, about uh, financial standards uh, and, and some other issues. And in fact, then CMS took two years in 2011, restarted what we call the pilot phase, which was nine major U.S. cities. And um, they didn't really fix that much. And they included diabetes in the 2011 round. And so um, our concerns uh, were expressed but uh, ignored. 
And uh, it was really in, not until 2000, I guess, 14 and 15 that the National Minority Quality Forum actually obtained uh, CMS claims data and specifically looked at the diabetes population using insulin therapy, which is not small. It's many, many hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. And they found that in the, these nine cities, uh, patterns of, of self-care were disrupted and that there was an increase in uh, emergency visits, hospitalizations, and costs. Uh, and the only thing that changed uh, in those nine cities was this one competitive bidding program that restricted access. Has there been any attempt by CMS or other groups to fix these problems? Well, various uh, advocacy groups, uh, the endocrinologists, uh, there are two endocrinology, over the years, uh, two endocrinology associations, uh, they wrote letters to CMS, uh, to the Senate Finance Committee, I'm sure to the House as well, uh, expressing their concerns. The American Association of Diabetes Educators did the same. Uh, There were also industry groups, uh, and including a group that Congresswoman Johnson and I put together, which was the mail order suppliers, a group of the mail order suppliers who uh, saw that uh, CMS was selecting people or, or companies to step in to the breach as they excluded suppliers. They would include new suppliers with not only no experience, but no infrastructure, uh, no capital to expand, to suddenly attempt to service the literally hundreds of thousands of beneficiaries who were being disenfranchised from their historical supplier. After the launch of the program, CMS put out a report claiming that there was no disruption to the marketplace and no negative health outcomes for seniors with diabetes. Research in diabetes care and a report from the Government Accountability Office reached very different conclusions. Can you explain how CMS made its initial finding? Sure I can, Samantha. And I'll take you back to one of the PAOC meetings uh, in 2010, I guess it was, when... um, Dr. Jeffrey Kelman, who I guess you would call the medical director or senior medical officer for CMS, you know, showed how showed to the PAOC how CMS was planning to monitor health status uh, in the affected areas where the program was being implemented. And it's a tool that they had just developed, and it's a basic tool. It, uh, what they're doing is they're, it's, a, it's a counting tool. It will count events. I still remember the, the example he put up there was we can tell you exactly how many of our fee-for-service seniors have had their flu shot, for instance, and just showing how it tracked and looked at different years. So it's a tool that counts. Uh, What it does not do is to build a cohort. In other words, I've got uh, 100,000 people, and I want to track, and and let's say I've got the, here they are in 2010, before this program starts, I want to track those 100,000 people through the next three years, let's say. Take away the noise of uh, people, you know, coming in, new people coming in, changing, et cetera. Uh, so the, that cohort methodology was uh, is not being employed. What they do is to every month, uh, they look at the last 120 days and they say, how many people with diabetes do we have, for instance? And uh, they use the diagnosis codes and then they look at the claims and they get a count. So they're only looking at the people who are um, who have seen basically their physician or had a medical event. It's a part A, part B calculation uh, in the last 120 days. That's a fairly stable number, but it's it's also the most compliant 
population. You know, they're, they're getting their physician visits, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, then they look at, at those people and how many events they have, uh, emergency visits or hospitalizations, length of stay, doctor visits, what have you. And they express that as a percentage of the denominator they have created. And uh, then they put it on a graph, a very small graph. And, and as Dr. Gelman says, flat as a pancake, uh, unchanged. But if you stop and say, well, let's just look at the numbers, you know, what you see is that as this program expanded in 2013 and 14 and 15, uh, it was applied nationwide for diabetes, you see a higher percentage of people uh, visiting the emergency room. You see a fairly flat percentage of people being discharged from the hospital. Uh, that's important to note because in Medicare as a whole, uh, hospitalizations have decreased during that time frame and been decreasing. There's been the two midnight rule that had an impact. Uh, there's been the readmission efforts, you know, to re reduce hospitalization. So globally, the 100% of the fee-for-service population have experienced fewer hospitalizations. But when you take the 25% with diabetes, they've not gone down at all. And they've not gone down because these people are with their patterns of self-care disrupted. They wind up with more unanticipated, unplanned health events and go to the ER. And one out of every two of those ER visits is an admit to the hospital. So what has been the latest news or update about the competitive bidding program since CMS announced in December 2018 that the contracts would expire? How do you think that this will affect patient access? We think it is going to continue to degrade uh, access uh, for beneficiaries with diabetes to an essential tool if they are truly wanting to be engaged with you know, helping to manage their diabetes, their condition, which is essential. The, the pills don't do it alone. Uh, the testing supplies don't do it alone. Uh, it's, but it's the combination of those with, with their diet and, and their activity. And the only way that you can know if you're affecting your glucose in the right direction is to periodically test. Maybe not every day, maybe two or three times one day, a couple of days a week, what have you. But we see it as, as, as continuing uh, to perpetuate the reduced access. So for 2018, just like for every other product category, there's a suspension of the competitive bidding program and it's reverted to, quote, any willing supplier. Uh, we do not know of any supplier who's willing to get back in the business of serving beneficiaries and providing testing supplies uh, through mail order because cost is greater than reimbursement. Uh, and that's the case with uh, retail pharmacies uh, as well. And the, the, there's been a decrease of thousands of independent pharmacies uh, across the country over the last few years in, in providing these testing supplies because cost now exceeds reimbursement. Uh, instead of hundreds of mail order suppliers to fit a person's needs, there are now uh, fewer than 10. There are eight or nine left. And all of those, to our knowledge, are treading water. You know, just they're servicing their patient base. They, they intake some, few, but they uh, just to maintain where they are. So since 2013, using CMS claims data, uh, at, at, in 2013 or 14, there were somewhere in the, between 3.5 and 4 million uh, fee-for-service beneficiaries with diabetes acquiring and using test strips, test supplies. From the calculations, uh, most recently 2017 data that we have seen, uh, that number is 2 million or less. So there's just been an extraordinary, you know, 40% or so reduction or more in 
the number of people who are performing any self-tests. Maybe some of that, our CMS might argue that uh, that shows how unnecessary this utilization was. But uh, again, if you're going to manage your diabetes and work towards managing it and associate your behavior, food or activity or other, uh, with what happens uh, with glucose in your body, that does require a periodic self-test, not a three or four or five or six-month HbA1c uh, test, which gives you an average for a period of time. But an average is just an average. It, it, you don't see the spikes or the, or the bottoms or anything else. So it's a, a continuing degradation of, of self-care which should be an important cornerstone of our healthcare system, helping people with chronic diseases to manage their conditions so that they stay at home in a more healthy state. It seems like there's still a long way to go before we see the next version of this program released. Did you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, and I, I neglected to say, Samantha, that uh, during this gap period, as it's called, one, one of the real surprises, Congresswoman Johnson and myself, has been that there's been a, a restart of the competitive bidding announced uh, for January of 2021, but diabetes test supplies are excluded from that. The CMS states that they are still evaluating how to incorporate some statutory changes that were mandated by Congress in a, in a Budget Act of 2018. That gives us pause to say, well, so the greatly reduced access, the reimbursement that is below cost is going to perpetuate into 2021, perhaps even into 2022, again, contributing to the, the worsening of, uh, of access, the worsening of the less utilization, the less self-care uh, being practiced, uh, which contributes to worse outcomes. Uh, and as far as going forward, uh, there are several key principles that we see that CMS has ignored. Some are being addressed uh, or attempted to be addressed. There is now a bid a surety bond required for bidders. And if you don't accept your contract, you're, uh, you, you forfeit your bid bond. But uh, that bid bond is $50,000, which probably costs very little to acquire. And uh, when you're talking about a national program, you know, the bid bonds are for c cities, communities. It's, it's just not appropriate. So uh, there's no real requirement for a, a bidder uh, to make a serious commitment to the category, to the service of the category, to the service of the beneficiaries. The amounts are, are totally inappropriate. And then if you accept the bid, uh, there is there is no performance obligation. The experts say that you know if you uh, uh, you know this is a, a government procurement, it should work like all others. Uh, the ex one of the experts who actually designed the spectrum auctions, which has raised billions of dollars for our government, you know said these are the basic principles: a bid bond to know that your bid is realistic, that you can fulfill on it. And then a performance obligation that if you know you can accept your contract now, but you don't have to perform. We've seen that with some of these fly-by-night uh, bidders. And the other thing is is transparency, especially with capacity. What capacity is CMS looking for? You know, the something that doesn't make sense is that over the years CMS has said, "Oh, we select plenty of suppliers, enough to meet." 150% of capacity because we don't want there to be any shortage for our beneficiaries. But in the case of diabetes supplies, there were almost 250 bidders 
in 2013 when this national when this program went national cms only selected 21 uh, over a fourth of which or more had never provided uh, this service or this product before and had no infrastructure no experience etc so they eliminated you know over 90 percent of the bidding suppliers and then didn't follow up to say they never said well what capacity were we looking for I mean, the, the, the capacity at that time was <clears throat> almost 3 million beneficiaries, and now we're down, you know, for, for just mail order only, now we're down to a million and a half or less, or I think it's a million or less uh, via mail order. So there was no transparency. They never said, this is the capacity we're looking for. Without saying it, what CMS did was to say, we want to reduce our utilization, so we're going to restrict capacity by restricting suppliers, eliminating a lot of suppliers, and that's what they've achieved as we look back in history. That's what they have, in fact, achieved. And the other thing was that CMS clearly was looking for the lowest possible price by only selecting 10 out of 100 or, you know, or fewer of the, of the bids. When in their demonstration projects in Polk County, Florida, and San Antonio, Texas in the late 90s, they were selecting the bids from 80 to 85 percent of the bidding suppliers. They were just, you know, getting off the higher, you know, leaving out the higher cost suppliers to get to a realistic price. So, you know, that, there was a very different change in mentality of what CMS was apparently looking for and wanting to do. And there's never been disclosure of that or transparency to see that. Competition is good. Uh, competition is needed in Medicare, not just for this category we're speaking about, uh, but for a lot of things in Medicare, but it has to be done right. And it can be done right. You know, encourage CMS to use the expertise that is out there to ensure we get a sustainable program that'll serve beneficiaries, but also will serve the, the taxpayers and the trust fund as well. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for taking the time to speak to me today on Managed Carecast. To learn more about CMS's competitive bidding program, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, you can email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.